days. So like I said, um, fruits of the Spirit, you know, this is things that as Christians, walking a life by the Spirit of God versus our flesh, these are some of the things that we should see in our lives, right? And, and some of them are really, they, we feel like they're easy. They're not always easy. It's not always easy to be kind when you don't feel like being kind. But, you know, we, we, we live in a society that's much different. I mean, even Europe, I don't know if any of you have been to other parts of the world, but Americans, we're raised from little children on to be nice. You know, I mean, most of us have been taught to say thank you. In a lot of areas, we don't have that. So some of these are a little bit easier than others. But when we read here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, it's 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay, so these are things that we don't need rules to tell us to do that, but if we have God's spirit in us and we're walking a life that is honoring to him, these are some things we can choose, and it can be a fruit that other people can see on us to know, oh, hey, look, they're a Christian, right? We know some of the Bible verses Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits, right? So in this particular passage, it has the word forbearance. Now, in some versions, it just says patience. Why is the NIV being a little bit more particular? Because the Greek word here, forbearance, is a little bit different. Some people describe it as patience with self-control, okay? We know some of the versions use patience. So now, if we just look at the word patience, that one's a pretty standard word. Most of us know what that means, right? It means long-suffering, slow to anger. If you look it up in the Old Testament where it talks about patience, there's a lot of Proverbs about patience. One of them is Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. It says, a person's wisdom yields patience. So they're saying, if you are wise, you're going to be patient, right? Long-suffering, slow to anger. And it says, it is one's glory to overlook an offense. Oh, that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Sometimes it's like we want it known. Hey, did you see what I went through? Did you see what they did to me? I mean, good grief. You go through McDonald's and get your order wrong, you go on Facebook and tell everybody, right? You don't overlook it. You're like, you know, like, hey, you point it out, right? And, you know, that's just part of our society we live in, the communications that we can have. But in the Old Testament, a proverb is saying that a person's wisdom yields patience, right? And so I looked up the original, like, Hebrew in here, because I'm like, what were they saying with this patience? And it says, the capacity to accept or tolerate or delay. Now, as Christians, to be patient means that sometimes we have to delay. That can be hard, right? Because, like... We want things now. We want things maybe our way. We want it to happen instantly. The other interpretation or word, it says suffering without getting angry or upset. Because it's long-suffering to be patient, to be long-suffering. And, you know, I think about Job and how he suffered for a long time. And his friends all came to him and they said, curse God and die. 
right? I mean, if you don't know the story of Job, they believe that it was a story that was written a long time ago, like before Moses even. And so you got the story of Job, and it's about this great man who loved God, right? And he would do sacrifices to God, and he would not only go to God and pray for himself, but he would pray for his children. And and this man was blessed. He had like 5,000 camels and like 10,000 donkeys and and like 20,000 sheep. And and he had them all. He was there out in different areas. And he had all these children. He had like seven sons and some daughters. And they they had grand houses. And on, on their birthdays, they would invite all their siblings over to these parties. And when they would go home after the party, Job would even go out and do sacrifices to God and say, if any of my children sinned while they were partying... It usually always seems like, even back then, even like 5,000 years ago, you go to a party and sometimes you sin. Like, that's the same thing happens today, isn't it? I mean, good grief. Your kids go to a party, they come home like, what did you do, right? Just saying. I think that's funny that Job would always pray for his kids after they had a big birthday party. So they'd come home and he'd pray over all of them and he'd pray to God and do sacrifices on their behalf. Well, one day, disaster hits Job's life, right? And if you read through the whole book, there's some heaven, heavenly dialogue going on. But ultimately, Satan, we see from this, is the one that brings suffering to us while we're here on earth. And like a big thunderstorm hits and all the sheep burn up and die. And then raiders come and all of the camels get stolen. And something else bad happens. I don't remember what happened to the donkeys. And they're all gone. And one servant from each of these flocks makes it. Probably the fastest runner, whoever the fastest runner was. Wes, you get on the treadmill every night because the fastest runner always survives. I'm telling you. They get back to Job and they say, your flocks are gone. And they're like, he's like, oh my gosh, like this is terrible. And then shortly after, he gets the word that they, all of the kids were at the oldest sibling's house and a windstorm came and the roof fell onto them and all of his children are dead. And he's, he's standing there, and he's just like, oh, my gosh. Now, you would think in that moment he would curse God, but he was so enamored, you know, loved the Lord, God, that he just worshiped God, and he just prayed. And he asked God to be with him. So in the heavenly dialogue, Satan, who's trying to make Job be mad at God, says, says well, you know, all this happened, but he didn't personally feel any suffering. He, he didn't feel any sickness in his body. So I'm going to touch his body and make him sick as well. And then we'll see how faithful he is. And again, suffering and sickness here on earth comes from Satan. So Satan struck Job. And Job began to be very sick. He said he had boils and sores all over his body. Like, he hurt so bad he would take broken pieces of clay and cut them open to let them ooze. All these these things. And at this point, all of his children are dead. All of his wealth is gone. And he's just sitting in ash and mourning. And all of his friends show up. And for a week, they just sit with him and they don't say anything. Now, talk about a culture that's patient, right? Like, if one of you calls me up and something tragic happened and I showed up, I don't know if I could go more than seven minutes without talking. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Let's me pray, right? But Job's friends come and they just sit in the silence with them. 
You know, I don't know, maybe they're hoping, maybe tomorrow they'll stop festering. Maybe tomorrow he'll feel a little bit better. Maybe, maybe tomorrow the cattle will, like, come back home, you know. I don't know what they were waiting for. And when they finally did start speaking, they didn't have anything good to say. It was funny when, you know, most of you know I'm working on my biblical, um, master's in biblical studies, and, and I kind of paused at Job for the longest time. I didn't even want to start reading that. I'm like, the bulk of the book of Job is all the advice from his friends. And like one of the last chapters, basically, it's like God's like, everything your friends said was just hooey. Don't listen to them. <laughs> you know, like this is what is the real thing. And God talks. And I'm like, I don't want to have to study everything they said when I know I'm going to eventually, I know the end of the book, right? The end of Job's going to tell me all their advice was hooey, you know. And even his own wife, though, his own wife says, you're a foolish man. Why are you still waiting on God? You should curse him and die. See, that's how most of us are. We're in a situation and we see the mess right in front of us and there's nothing we can do about it. And we get mad because, it, well, Mary, I prayed nothing happened. Okay. Well, if you have the Holy Spirit in you and you're a Christian, you walk by faith, sometimes you've got to be patient. Sometimes that means nothing is going to happen in this moment. But you put your trust in God, you ask me to take care of it, and it will eventually happen. Now, hopefully Jason can handle this, because I'm going to use his as an example. All right? So most of you realize, back when we had the coats and the blankets out last winter, somebody ran into our railing out there, and it, got, it broke off. And we stuck it by the side of the building. A few weeks go by, and, you know, I'm that type of person where I'm just like, God, I don't know what to do with it. You do. Figure it out. This is your building. A couple weeks go by, a month or so, and then Jason comes up to me after service. He said, can I take this and fix this? I'm like, yes! He didn't realize it then, but he was answering my prayer, right? God used him to fix the railing. Well, then summertime hits, and summertime's fun, and there's lots of stuff going on, right? Now, I had to be patient with the railing and know, like, okay, it's at a shop, it's got to get welded, it's got to get cleaned up, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. But I had to trust, just like I was saying before, and know there's nobody else that's offered to fix it. There's nobody else that has a portable welding machine that could fix that, right? So, but I just had to be patient until it was put in. But see, what happens is we see a problem and we know we can't fix it and, and we get frustrated and we just say, well, it hasn't happened today, so it's never going to happen. No, patience means that you are, have faith in the ability of the one you've asked to help. And when they have the time and they're ready and they know the right time is going to happen, it's going to happen. Right? Now, with God, he can see. He can see everything. So he knows why it has to happen when it happens. And so when we put our trust in him, then it goes into patience. Patience means long-suffering, right? Suffering without getting angry or upset. Well, why should we have to suffer at all? That's the bigger question, right? Like, why should I have to? You know, well, that's because you live here on planet Earth. If you don't want to live here on planet Earth, the alternative is then you die and you're in heaven. See, the time here on planet Earth is actually a gift, 
It's a gift from God. God wants us to be able to experience this and experience free will and experience the joy and the peace and all these different things. But because we have free will and because other people's and, you know, things happen to us and all these different things here on earth, sometimes there's suffering. But if we can be patient while we're suffering, the end result usually is something wonderful. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I appreciate something better at the end of that suffering. Because it's like, wow, this is amazing. I didn't realize, like, you know, how great this was until I didn't have it for a week. I mean, think about it. Have you ever had, like, I remember a friend, um, she wanted to do a big fundraiser for water. I'm like, why is water your thing? Like, why are we all going out to lunch and giving you money so that villages in Africa can have water? Like, why water? And she said, because I had a water main break out in front of my house and we didn't have water for five days. She goes, you don't realize how much you need water until you don't have it. So she had to be patient during those five days while she was waiting for the city to fix the water main in the front of her house. And at the end of it, she said, I'm a better person now. I appreciate this water so much. And my heart goes out to these families that they don't have water. Isn't that interesting? It's so funny because, like, Satan tries to make us miserable. And we can say, I was miserable, you know, I hate the city, water, oh my gosh. And, like, you could live the rest of your life miserable about the fact that you didn't have water for five days. But God's word says that what man meant for evil, God can use for good. And what Satan usually uses the men to make evil in our life, God can make for good. What does that mean? What Satan meant to make her a five days of miserable, and maybe it was miserable for the neighbors, God turned it into something good for her. And now she found this purpose, and she raises money, and she has helped thousands of people have water in their villages because she had a five-day miserable experience. See, we don't understand sometimes that Satan is trying to make us have hell on earth while we're suffering, while we're waiting on something. And you can wait with hope, or you can wait with hate. That is your option. People always say, well, what is patience? And I'm said, well, it's waiting with hope is how I look at it. Because you've got to wait either way. Are you going to be patient while you're waiting? Or are you going to be crabby while you're waiting? Right? That's the biggest question. All right, you know, Mary, you know, I'm, I, I, my birthday's coming up. I can't wait for my birthday. Right? The kids might say their birthdays are in September. Well, are they going to be patient as they wait for their birthdays? Or are they going to be crabby while they wait for their birthdays? How much you want to bet... If there's this particular gift they want and they wait crabbily, mama might not get them that. But if they wait with hope and expectancy, there you go. That's the way to wait with patience. So forbearance, though, it says patience with self-control. Why do I need to have self-control with my patience? Because, see, my human flesh wants to react when I'm suffering something, when I'm going through something, with a bad attitude, with anger. That's why it says suffering without getting upset. That was literally the original Hebrew word there of patience. Suffering without getting upset. I can be in the grocery line, and I've talked about this when we talked about the joy, right? And it's taking forever, and I can be upset about it. Or I can be patient, say, i got to suffer through this line, and I can do it with joy in my heart or with hope, with expectancy. 
I, probably if I asked some of you and brought you up here and put a mic in your face, you wouldn't like it. But if I did, I bet some of you are waiting on something right now, right? Maybe you're waiting on a job opportunity. Maybe you're waiting on a relationship situation. Maybe you're waiting on your own self to, to change your habits and to do something differently. I don't know what you're waiting on. The question is, is how are you going to wait? Do you have the capacity to accept the delay, to tolerate the delay? When somebody sees us all waiting in the grocery line, can they look and say, oh, there's the Christians. They also got smiles on their face because that's our fruit showing up, right? And now that's a short little delay. But there's other things in our life that takes longer. But again, just like with the railing, like I put my hope and my trust in Jason. I knew eventually it'll get up there. So I had to be patient while I waited. So go to the one that you know is able and wants to rescue. That's God while you're waiting, while you're in this delay. I like this here in Ecclesiastes. It talks about patience. It says here in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, it says, The end of the matter is the be- Wait, the end of a matter is better than its beginning. Oh, I love that. Isn't the end always better than the beginning? You know, like think about like you go into the doctors for your annual report and they say, oh, you've got breast cancer. Well, the beginning of this story is not sounding good, is it? And then, and then the end of it is, well, I went and prayed, they went and did this, and they told me everything is fine. The end is always better than the beginning. Because if you're still at a crappy part, it's not done yet. The end isn't there yet. You don't say the matter is ended until you keep praying and keep believing until the end is better than the beginning. So he says, look, the end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. See, pride wants to say, look at me, I'm okay, everything's fine. Patience says, I'm not okay, and I'm humbly waiting, and I'm waiting for it to get to this point so it's better. I love it here in verse 9. It says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Now, this is actually a really cool verse. It doesn't say do not ever be angry. No, it doesn't say that. It says don't be quickly provoked. There are times when we do have to put up boundaries. There are times where we do have to say this is enough. I'm not going to go forward with this anymore. But there's a difference between thinking about it and having wisdom and trying to figure out the best way to move forward in a bad situation and how to put boundaries up and to get counsel and to have wisdom versus I just am quick to be beaten provoked, right? Somebody says something to me once and I'm just flying off the handle. That's, that's totally different. See, patience means that I long suffer and I'm using some wisdom and hope in that to say, okay, do I have any control in how this situation ends? Sometimes we do. Right? Sometimes people might say, well, I'm being patient right now because I need to raise, you know, $5,000 to pay off this bill. Okay? Well, maybe you can make that bill go by quicker by doing some overtime. Right? Maybe you're in a situation you prayed about and you thought about it and you're like, no, I'm at peace. I know I'm going to just wait until this, this shifts and then I'll do whatever. You know, sometimes you have the ability to make things go quicker and that's when wisdom has to come in to say, how much of this do I need to change and how much of this am I waiting on God or another situation? So we see the Old Testament talking about just patience, which means long-suffering, slow to anger, the capacity to accept a delay, or suffering without getting angry or upset. But see, in this case, in the New Testament, 
The forbearance means the patience with the self-control, which is ironic because self-control is another one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Sometimes we got to control our reactions. Sometimes we got to say, like, okay, just because I want to yell doesn't mean I have to yell, right? Just because I want to get angry right now doesn't mean I have to get angry right now. Well, what are some practical things you can do? Like, for me, sometimes I'll go and I'll write a letter to the person I'm mad at. I'll be like, Lord, if they were here right now and I could say whatever I wanted to say to them, this is what I would say, and I write it all out. And then I look at it and say, Lord, I'm going to let you take care of this. And I go and I put it in my shredder. Because guess what? Just because I want to say something does not mean I should say something. But those thoughts are rattling around in my head. It's kind of like when you get, you know, like, McDonald's, and you go to the McDonald's, and you put the wrappers in the back of your car. Just because I ate a Big Mac doesn't mean I need to smell a Big Mac for the rest of the week. I can take the trash out of my car and throw it away. Just because you had a bad experience and you got some trash left over in your head after dealing with somebody that made you mad doesn't mean you need to leave that trash in the bin of your head and let it rattle around for the rest of the week. You can take the trash out. So for me, I write it down. You know, for a lot of people, what they do is they call up a friend and they go, can you believe my dad did this? Can you believe my sister did this? Can you believe my boss did this? And we get all the trash out that way, right? We go, and tomorrow I'm going to tell them this, 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 and this. Then we hang up the phone. We go through the rest of the night. We get up the next morning, go into work, and we realize, like, yeah, I don't need to say that. Yeah, I feel better. Why? Because you took the trash out the night before. The issue it gets is when you're telling somebody that can't process it properly with you. Sometimes you tell the wrong person and they get you more upset than getting you down. Sometimes it just ends up being gossip and you shouldn't have said something. So that's why for me, especially most of the time, you know, people I'm upset with, it's like I don't want anybody to know I feel that way because tomorrow I probably won't going to feel that way. So most of us, you know, maybe it's better just to write it out, to talk to somebody that you can trust, Right. Not just tell everybody the story, but to find the one person that you can trust that you can, you know, for a lot of people, it's their spouse, right? They'll come home, they tell their spouse, and they go, one of the things I used to remember as a young bride, they used to always say, now don't call your mother up and tell her all the reasons why you're mad at your husband. You know, and you think, well, why? You know, you could trust her not to say anything because mothers are like, oh, that jerk hurt my daughter and they have a harder time forgiving like right like the wife says everything gets it off her chest and then the next day she wakes up and she's happy again and then all of a sudden we wonder why the mother-in-law is giving the guy the stink eye every time she comes over it's because you know so I remember being a young woman that was some advice that the pastor's wife had come and told me she said name three girlfriends that would keep a secret if you told them anything and I told her three girlfriends names and she goes when you're mad at him you call them you don't call your mom why well, tell my mom everything? She's like, uh-uh-uh-uh. She's like, there will become a time where you might need to tell her something, but don't just call her every time you get rid. And it was, it was great advice. It was great advice. But it causes us to be patient sometimes. See, wisdom says, let me wait and think about this. Right? Patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. So this is one of those aha moments. If anger is the first thing that pops up in our spirit when somebody makes us mad, 
we have to ask ourselves, man, am I a fool? It's okay. Don't let the pride come in. Pride says you're perfect, and they're always wrong. Humility says, what's the truth, and am I wrong? So let's just be real. God's word is true. These, these concepts have always been there. If, you're, if you leave this place and you are not patient, if you hear this sermon and you say, man, 90% of the time, I want it my way and I want it now, you're probably not being patient in your life. If anger pops up in your spirit right away and then you let it out and you hurt people along the way, if you have to spend more time apologizing, right, be honest with yourself and say, man, you know what? I learned some bad habits growing up or whatever. The stress of my situation is causing me to be foolish right now. Why is it better to admit it? Well, when you admit something, then you can start working on it, start fixing it, and you can ask God to help you with that. Most of the time, we can't just fix things. We've got to ask God for help us, right? Like, I couldn't fix that railing. I, you know, asked God to help, and he sent somebody to help. And I had to be patient wait on it. So you might ask God today before you leave here, Lord, I've been a fool lately. I, I let anger provoke in my spirit. I'm not being patient. I'm not long-suffering. So help me with that. Work on me with that. Make me aware of that. Right? Write yourself a little note and say, you know, anger will not be in the heart of this fool. I will, you know, be patient. Make yourself a note. Make yourself aware. Because I, the first thing you do is you admit to it. And then tomorrow at work, when somebody provokes you and anger starts to pull up, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's me being angry. I'm going to wait an hour before I go give my boss an answer. And maybe an hour later, you, you, that some of that will be calmed down, and you'll be able to talk to him nicely. Right? You've you got to set yourself little goals. I remember when the kids were little, you know, a lot of times I'd be like, I'm going to count to ten. And I didn't say it out loud for them. I did it for me. You know, it's like, Mama needs a timeout. My timeout was the bathtub. I'd, I had the series of locked doors. I'd lock the bedroom door, I'd lock the bathroom door, and I'd get in the bathtub. And I'm like, I'm not leaving until I calm down. The babysitting TV is doing great with them. They're sitting there watching whatever. They'll be all right. And you know, one of the other things I used to do is, like, come home from work. Oh, I'd be so angry. And I'd be like, I don't want to be angry at my family. And I've told you this before. I would sit and watch America's Funniest Videos. This was before Netflix. We could DVR stuff, and like they'd have America's Funniest Videos on at night, and I'd just DVR it, and I'd go and sit. And I would say, I'm not getting up from this couch until I laugh out loud. Once I started laughing out loud, I'd finish the episode and get up. Sometimes there'd be days where I needed to watch two 30-minute episodes before I could laugh out loud. What was I doing? I was saying, I'm not going to let anger rule me. And laughter is good medicine for the soul, so I've got to do something different. That's the biggest thing. When we get through the fruits of the Spirit, we're going to realize there's two or three fruits that we're not operating in. We don't do this to make you feel bad about yourself and say, well, I'm just never going to be a patient person. No. You do it so you're aware. And so the next time you're in those situations where you're not patient, try something different. And maybe you screw up the first time. Maybe you think, I'm going to wait 10 minutes before I talk to my boss. And at that point, you've got yourself so worked up that when you go talk to me, blow up. And then you realize, like, okay, that one didn't work. Next time, I'm just going to say something right away, but I'm going to only say half of what I want to say, right? It's okay if you screw up along the way. What did, what did Thomas Edison say? He said, they, one of the reporters said, I heard you took them, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of times where you screwed up before you got the light bulb right. 
Thomas Edison said, it's all about perspective, right? He goes, no, I learned 200 different ways not to make a light bulb. He said, I didn't screw up 200 times. If I hadn't done the 200 times, I wouldn't have had a light bulb. I'm glad he figured it out. But he had to be patient, not give up, and keep trying. So you don't have to worry about your pride. Oh, my pride is ruined because I didn't do it right. No, you learned another way. You learned another way. You're patient. You're going to keep trying. You're not going to give up. You're going you're to keep accepting the delay. You're going to keep trying. So in the New Testament, this forbearance, putting up with others, even when one is severely tried. Man, have you ever been severely tried? Severely. I mean, that's quite a harsh word, right? There's times where it's just, it's severe, Mary. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand what I'm going through. That Job went through a lot of crap. In the end, he never denied God. He never denied that God was the one he needed to pray to. God was the one who was going to help him. In the end, Job's body physically got better. He got healed. He ended up having more children. He ended up having bigger flocks. And he ended up praising God all along. Because he was patient. He said, I don't know why this all happened. I, don't, I live here on earth. You know, Satan's bad. I'm going to just keep worshiping God. And he suffered through all that, and he was severely tried, but he kept moving forward. I love this. So putting up with others, even when one is severely tried. Hmm. In the New Testament, that's what that definition of forbearance means and patience. So as we look here in Romans 12, 12, it says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. That one really opens my eyes because he doesn't say be patient in your good days. <laughs> you don't need patience when everything's going good. You, literally the definition of it, of it is, is putting up with something bad. So how do we get more patience? Well, when you're going through something bad, can you put up with it? Without letting that anger rise up in you, without having a fit, without demanding your way right away, can you just go home and think about it? Can you wait two or three days and maybe send an email? Think about it. What do I really want to say here? What really happened? I'm going to be patient. Sometimes you say nothing and you pray, right? I mean, there's been situations and times, it, it's funny, like even with my husband's office, when we first moved here, one of the things I like to do is, you know, tell you what I think and give you all this advice. And my husband will tell you that I still do that. But I really have cut back. He might not admit that, but I, I know because a lot of times I keep my mouth shut. But what I learned to do was pray. I would pray. I would be like, Lord, I pray, you know, that anybody that is, you know, causing problems, you know, patience, this, that, not patience, but his, you know, patience, the, the people that come in, right? That, like, if, if, if it's going to cause problems, you know, just give them a desire to go somewhere else. You know, let them, let them just go, right? And sometimes when we're being patient about something, it means there's nothing I can personally do, but I can pray and ask the Lord to take care of things. You know, draw in those that are going to be great patients and able to do things and draw off those that can't. Same thing with the employees, do all these different things. And then you sit back and you just pray and you wait. That's really hard because a lot of times we want to say something. We want to fix something. We want to do something. And it's harder when we just trust the Lord and say, okay, you've got to figure this out. 
So you don't need patience on your good days. You need patience on the days when you're emotionally being tried. See, our bodies, sometimes we have to have patience in our body, right? We know the doctor tells us, okay, your cholesterol is high. Do these five things. You do those five things and you go get retested the next day. It hasn't changed anything yet, doctor. What is he going to say? You have to have more than 24 hours, right? Do these five things consistently over the next five months, and then we'll check you again at the six-month time. Well, we, we understand that. If you broke your arm tomorrow and we put you in a cast and said you've got to wait six weeks, you would understand you're not going to be healed tomorrow. But emotionally, when somebody makes us mad, we want them fixed now. And being patient means I've got to wait to see what happens here, if they're healed, whatever. And then you're dealing with other people's free will. Sometimes the person you're with that you want to change doesn't ever change. But they shouldn't do this. I told them they know now. Okay. Just because they know you don't like it when they do whatever doesn't mean they're going to stop doing that. Are you going to be able to have the capacity to accept that? Sometimes we have it. Sometimes we don't. But you have to have that wisdom to pray about it and talk to a wisdom, a counsel of others to see what do I do with this now, right? Do I stay working at a job where maybe this is happening and it's never going to change? Maybe you weigh the pros and cons and you say, yeah, I'm going to stay. Well, that means you've got to be kind and joyful and patient and gentle and faithful and have self-control while you're in a job you really hate because in the long run you've decided to stay there. See, being a Christian 24 hours a day, seven days a week, is a choice. We've talked about this before. You go to heaven because you believe in Jesus. You are a Christ follower and you allow him to work in your life during the week because you're choosing this. Just like we can choose to be kind or choose to be good. Remember, we, we looked back at this. What was kindness? Doing thoughtful things for others. We choose to do thoughtful things for others. That's a choice, right? Goodness was showing generosity to others. To others. We're choosing to be generous. What was kindness, right? An inner happiness not dependent on our outward circumstance. We're choosing... To not look at the things around us and to be joyful. Faithfulness, trustworthy and reliable. Again, that was an action. We have to be trustworthy. We have to be reliable where we perform consistently well, even if we don't feel like it. Patience is a choice to wait on God's help rather than to wait in anger or to demand action now. And that choice is something that we get to make because God's word says if we choose to wait with patience, life is going to be so much better in the end. If you choose to wait in anger, you're just making a bigger mess for you to deal with in the end. So patience is a choice to wait with God's help, to trust in his help, rather than to wait with anger or demand action now. So, you know... Colossians tells us to put this on. I love this. He says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, 
See, we're God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved. We're not holy because we're holy. We're holy because we put Christ's righteousness on us. He makes us holy. So we're, we get to walk this way. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See, we can choose to put that on. We can choose how we react in a situation. Now, if you were raised in a place where, you know, people reacted with anger and frustration all the time, and that's all you saw, then that's what you learned, and that's how your reactions will be, right? How I learned to drive a car is different than how people learn to drive a car in England, right? It is. They drive on the other side of the road. Their signage is different. If I were to go over there and start driving, I would probably have a lot of crashes if I said, I'm choosing to drive how I drive in America. And if the way you have been learned to do things keeps causing accidents and a big mess, pileups in your life, you can say, okay, the way I learned how to do it isn't working. I need to learn to do it some way different. So God's word says, look, therefore, now you are God's chosen people. You're holy and you're dearly loved by God. So clothe yourself with something different than how you were raised. Clothe yourself with compassion. Now they're saying this in a world where there was no compassion. Children with disabilities were thrown out to wolves. People that didn't have money were like looked down upon. If you came to an event and you had, didn't have clothes as nice as the host, you were put in the back and told to sit on the floor. And he's saying, look, you're dearly loved by God. You're his chosen people. You're going to walk in compassion now. Choose that. Choose to do life this way. Walk in compassion. Be kind. Be Have humility. Be gentle. And be patient. So that means when crappy situations come, don't demand it your way right away. Instead, have a capacity to delay your response, to delay what you're going to do. Use some wisdom here and think about it. Pray and ask me to intercede. You know, maybe you do need to respond, but do you need to respond right this moment in anger? Sometimes I always ask myself, why am I angry about this? Usually it's a right. Why should they don't have a right to be treated this way? Who says you have a right to be treated nice? You don't know what that person is going through. This has, most of the time, has nothing to do with me. It has to do with them, right? You know, why is somebody coming in my office yelling at me? Well, it's because they're having a crappy day. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, 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 let me pray for you. Okay, goodbye, I love you, see you later. Like, they're yelling at me it has nothing to do with me. I don't like it. Nobody likes to be yelled at. But I'm not going to take it personal. So we have to put it on. So again, if you don't react this way, that's eh, because when you were little, somebody else put something else on, and that's what you saw. But you're in a point now where you can recognize it and say, I don't want to live like this anymore. So number one, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to help us be more patient. And do not tell me, my grandma always said, never pray for patience, Mary. That means this week a bunch of bad things are going to happen to me. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. That's Satan trying to convince you not to ever pray for patience and ask for help. That'd be like me saying, I'm not going to take driver's training because, you know, once I know all the rules of the road, then I'm going to be like, oh, see, I, I could get pulled over for that. So then, I, then I have to drive differently. Now that's just hooey, isn't it? Wouldn't you rather know the rules of the road so you know not to do the wrong thing? Wouldn't you rather pray and ask the Lord, like, these are fruits. These are things you've promised us. 
So remind me when I, before I blow up in anger so that way I can walk in patience instead. So we're going to put this clothing on. You know, it takes me more time in the morning to get dressed. I could have come here naked. I could have. You know, you get out of the shower, you towel off, and I'm ready to go. I put the clothes on, though, right? Because there's certain areas that I that are protected and private, and, and you don't want to see it. You know, I've had four kids. You don't want to see it. I'm telling you. So we put our clothes on. Same thing with their shoes, right? I mean, today it was pretty quick and lazy. I just threw on some flip-flops. But I tell you what, in the middle of the wintertime, when I go out and it's just snowed five inches, I take extra time to put on a nice pair of wool socks and my boots before I go out and deal with the snow, don't I? Don't you? You do that. Why? Because you want to protect your feet. You don't want to be cold. So why do we have to take the time to put on and clothe ourselves with these things is so when we go through life, first of all, they don't get to see all your nakedness. Y'all don't get to see what's really my thoughts were because I clothe myself with patience. I bite my tongue and I wait a little bit. Today, when you're coming back, you guys are going to love this. I'll tell it real quick and we'll be done. We're coming back from up north and we stop at a gas station. This is so silly, but I was proud of myself. You guys are going to see the thoughts that go through my head. We stop at this gas station And there's this younger man and an older man. And the younger man is driving a Camaro, like a newer looking one. It looked really sharp, really nice, right? He gets out, shuts his door. The older man gets out, shuts the door. And they're going inside. It was like a gas station and then Arby's on this side of it. And they're going inside. And the younger man goes, you didn't shut my door right. And I mean, I'm outside. I could hear him. Like he's yelling at this old guy. And he goes around and he opens the door and shuts it. And they go inside. He's just kind of not being nice, you know. Well, I thought they're going to the gas station. I walked over to the Arby's and go get in line. Well, they had cut through the gas station, so they they were up lying ahead of me. So I'm standing behind them. Well, they order their food. They get their cups for the drink. I order something real quick, grab my cup. So I'm heading over to get some soda as they're standing there getting their soda. And I hear the older man say to the younger man, he said, did you get it to go or to eat here? And the younger man, in a really nasty, condescending way, goes, for here, I really wanted to say something. I really, really want, at that point, oh, I just wanted to say something so bad. And I told Todd the five or six different things I wish I would have said. I got in the car, I told him this whole story, you know, and I'm like, I wanted to be like, oh, what? That pretty car of yours can't have any food wrappers in it? Or I wanted to be like, oh, what? You're not allowed to eat inside your car? Well, you know, does, does it lose its retail value if you eat inside your car? I, I mean, I had a bunch of them. Like, I had a bunch of zingers that I wanted to say. And I stood there, like, for a good 10 seconds thinking of which one I wanted to say out loud. And I didn't. I was so proud of myself. I thought, no, nope, I'm not going to say a word. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why he's talking to this man this way. It's none of my business. I'm going to stay out of it. I'm not going to say a word. And I didn't say anything. But see, that's the thing. That's like my nakedness, right? Like that sometimes that can be ugliness, right? Sometimes. I mean, that one would have been funny, I think. But, you know, maybe sometimes you want to say something and it's ugly. And what you do is you clothe yourself instead with compassion, You clothe yourself instead with kindness. You clothe yourself instead with humility. You clothe yourself instead with gentleness. 
See, you probably thought I was just standing there. I was being gentle to that boy because that little young man needed somebody to say something to him. And I was gentle. I didn't say a word because I thought it's not my day to correct this guy that I have no relationship with and I don't know, right? But how many times do those words want to fly out of our mouth or our reaction wants to fly out of our mouth? We need to ask ourselves, is this really what I need to be saying? Is this really the fruit that needs to come out of me today? Or should I be patient? Let's pray. Father God, so many times Satan tempts us to want our way right away. And so many times you want us to delay and to be kind and to be humble and to be patient, to wait with hope, to wait with trusting in you for the situation, to wait without getting angry. doesn't mean that we don't get angry. It says you can get angry and sin not. But so many times we sin in our anger and we're nasty in our anger and, and we're not patient. And we're demanding. And this week, we probably will be. But because of this message, we're going to recognize it. And we're going to ask you to help us. Maybe we'll think it through and say, okay, this is a pattern. This is how I always react in this situation. So I'm going to try something different. Or, you know, what was I really thinking? I'm not really mad at the clerk. I was just anxious because I'm heading into work and I'm late. So maybe tomorrow I need to leave a little bit early. I don't know. You, you, but you know each and every single person's situation here and what causes us sometimes to be impatient, to be demanding, to be angry. So we're asking you, Father God, to help us walk a life where the fruit that comes out of us makes it more than evident that we're not only going to heaven when we die, but that we're a Christ follower while we live. And so the benefits of this fruit in our life will be peace and will be joy, that we can stand in the middle of a tense situation and not let the stuff around us affect us because we're putting our trust in you. I ask you, Father God, to help us and to talk about these things so that we, we don't stay stuck in our old habits, but instead we grow and we change and we learn. Help us, Father God, as we are here to learn how to be more like you and how to have peace in our lives. I ask you, Father God, to bless each and every single person here, to watch over them, to let your favor fall upon them. May your angels go before them and around them. May your Holy Spirit fill them. May the blood of Jesus be over them. Keep them all safe, healthy, and strong. Not only their physical bodies, but their souls and their spirits as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. And definitely check out the Blessing Shop if you need anything and fill out for the Bible drawing if you haven't already. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.